Now, can you tell me what is the most common thing that you see people wasting their time and money on in business nowadays? Everyone is building instead of selling. I don't know how many people I come across, if it's 95, if it's 98, or it's 99% of the entrepreneurs that I meet that are struggling. They're struggling because they're trying to build the perfect product or the perfect sales funnel or the perfect ad copy when all they really need to be doing is going out and selling and their attempt to sell and the statistical results that are generated from that attempt will tell them everything that they need to do so that they're not wasting their time building something that's never going to work. Yeah, that's that's awesome advice, man. That's that's definitely something to point out. I know that I see so many people saying that. And also, one big thing that I notice as well with a lot of startups is that they um they're just taking forever to to even like launch, even if they're not selling it, like even launching their product or their app, like they're just kind of sitting on it trying to make it um perfect. So, how how would you tackle that? Like, what would you tell somebody if you knew that they had something that's really good? Like, what would you say to somebody if you were coaching them? It's a little tricky because it's really about mindset. If they truly believe in their product and that their product will work, the reality is that it will. It's the Henry Ford saying that those who think that they can, can, and those that think that they can't, can't. If you really believe in your product and you go out and sell it, the market will help you build it into the perfect product. But sitting back and trying to thought process, survey, and all of these different things on an initial product, it's just, it's, it's just a waste of time. You got to go out. You got to make the money. The more money that you make in selling, the better that you can develop the infrastructure of your product. And the mindset has to be, you know what? You're never going to make everyone happy. But if you go out into the market and you start working your product, people will give you the feedback and they'll appreciate the improvements as the product becomes closer to a perfect product. I know that you've played like in a few different spaces and it's mostly online. So it's been, you know, like a marketing agency, online auction company, um, like an online bookstore. Is there any kind of specific um, industry or niche that really is uh, exciting for you that you, you like to uh, kind of favor or, or work with? I still think that sometimes people don't appreciate the fact that the internet is only 25 years old. So it's kind of like the wild, wild west for those of us in the US. That's a reference that we use a lot that there's so much opportunity and there's such a small barrier to entry. Anyone could start a marketing agency today. They could go out and start selling marketing services. And as soon as they had the money, they could find someone to pay to fulfill. So there's no reason why you can't become an internet entrepreneur in today's economy. It's the least amount of effort for the maximum amount of result is on the internet. So anything internet-based really excites me. Beautiful, beautiful. And that's the space that I'm in and um, I can agree with you on that too. <laughs> so what do you feel gives a company that extra value? Like Apart from the obvious things like you know the amount of customers and revenue, like what are extra things that you look out for? Well, with us, and this is something that's really transpired in the last two years since I sold the majority of my companies. We had talked um, actually before this call about, you know what, there's a little bit of luck. There's a whole lot of hard work. And a lot of time entrepreneurs will work themselves into a job. And although I've had huge amounts of success in the past and grown some pretty big companies and was able to spin them off and sell them, what I found was is that I had the systems and the procedures for the operation of the companies, but I didn't have the systems and procedures for my life. So I've spent about two and a half years figuring that out, working with some of the top NLP coaches in the country, well, in the world, um, working with some of the top business strategists, some of the most successful entrepreneurs, and trying to figure out how, how I can transition from a successful entrepreneur into a successful entrepreneur with a successful life. 
So that helped us create our program now that we run called uh, the partnership, where everyone calls me the partner, where that the real success in business comes from your ability to find out what you're good at and then stop trying to do everything else and find a partner that can do it, whether that be an outsource worker, whether it be a partnership vendor, whether it actually means an equity partner in your business. When you've transitioned from the, the first level of success into trying to get into that huge level of success and fulfillment, partnering is really the only way that I see that people can be successful in doing that. Yeah, that's a great point. I know um, you know a lot of people burn themselves out and spread themselves uh, out too thin as well. So it's always better to, to pay for somebody that, that specializes in that area for sure. Absolutely. Not only will you get back your time, which is your most valuable asset, but you're also going to give your clients, or your customers a much better user experience when you have the right person doing the right thing every time instead of trying to do it all yourself and maybe getting to about the 70 or 80% level, why not deliver it 100%? Yeah, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. I'm I'm a big fan of like mindset. Um, we talk about it a lot on addictedtosuccess.com. Um, you, you you mentioned that you trained with some NLP coaches. Who did you train with? Like Richard Bandler or um, John Grinlow? Or who did you get a chance to? to no, I actually used a, a woman. I'm not going to say her last name because she doesn't do open practice. Her name's Carla. She was referred to me by uh, Nathan Patmore, who's a really successful entrepreneur. And she's based out of Seattle. And really, it's funny because when I first got into the coaching side of things and teaching people how to do what I do, I really ignored the mindset, the emotional triggers, the NLP side of speaking from stage, and a little bit of the law of attraction and the, the Napoleon Hill model. Because I was always a hard-headed, nose-down, nothing's-going-to-stop-me type of entrepreneur and that works up until about the $5 million a year mark. You can, you can work yourself into a $5 million a year business. I'm not going to say fairly easily. Million dollars easy, $5 million a little bit harder. But after that, if your mindset isn't right, um, you'll get lost. You will really get lost in what you're doing. And that's something that I ignored up until about two years ago and something that I've spent a lot of time and a lot of studying on in the past two years. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You shed a lot of light and clarity on that. I know um, that's like a big thing. For me, um, when I learned about NLP, um, I guess with NLP, you kind of take as much as you can and, and implement it into or the, the best parts that you can and then implement that into your business because some of it isn't for business, like you know the hypnosis side and all that. So um yeah, that's that's awesome. That's really good that you can do that. I know a lot of um like life coaches and um you know peak performance coaches use it as the foundation of their their teaching. So I can see how that works for you. Yeah, it's really transformational when you start to accept that. And I can I can honestly remember being at an event, speaking in front of 500 people and there's a bunch of other speakers and an NLP coach will go on and I'll walk out of the room or someone that's life strategy or anything like that and I was ignorant to it. I really thought, you know what? I don't need that. I'm good at what I do. I've got tons of clients. I'm making a ton of money. And it took a friend to really say, Roger, here are the reasons why your life isn't exactly how you want it to be. And the reason is that you're not accepting that certain things exist. And it was kind of a slap in the face. And I really took a step back and accepted it. Again, mindset. So at one point, you have to just choose to accept certain things. You're not going to be able to statistically prove it. I'm a left brain. I'm an electrical engineer by trade, but you have to accept it. And when you do, it's almost as if you become 20 pounds lighter and the freedom of your capabilities finally gets to explode into the world. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, 
That's really great. It's funny. The me two years yeah. ago would laugh at the things that I say now, but the transformation has been completely evident. Yeah, that's great, man. It sounds like you're working a lot on more on yourself so that you can go that extra mile that you can go, you know, that much more further. So that's good. It's really awesome. Exactly. Awesome, man. I'm um, just on the, uh, you know, working with businesses and selling and that, like if you saw a company that, you know, has a really great idea, but their business and its workers were not really, you know, up to scratch, would you encourage them to sell it or would you try and work on the restructure of the business first? So that's actually an awesome question. The reality is, is that a business that's struggling because of certain elements probably does not have the ability to be sold. I spent two years working on my company. I had it for seven years. The last two years was building it to sell because I didn't understand the certain elements of the people, process, and product and making sure that everything was systematized, making sure that everything was statistically based. So a good example, uh, a digital publishing company that I started working with back in February that I, I'm working on at acquiring, they have an amazing product. It is, it's, it is nearly a perfect product. They've got tons of content. They have a great capability, but they have no marketing and sales in place and they had no proper accounting in place. So when it came time to look at the reports, it was spreadsheets over here. There was no QuickBooks. For that to be, a, and, and, and I really think that this is a company that could be taken to a big investor based on the people that they've worked with. So we've, been, we've spent the last two months just getting the accounting in place. And once that's in place, putting the money into marketing so that we have the statistics to show the growth capability. And then we'll be able to go out and find the seven figure investors while only investing maybe $40,000 into everything. On that note, actually, um, I was actually offered a million dollars for my blog. Uh, it's funny because like, I was offered 250,000. I said no. And then, you know, the traffic grew and then I was offered 500, 750 and now it's at a million um, from like, you know, different VCs and, um, and, and uh, you know, web brokers. So like, what would your advice be to me? I mean, I know my, you'd have to probably know a little bit more, like, you know, how much traffic am I getting and, and that, but like for somebody that's kind of started a website that, that is passive income and it's like, it's like only three years old. I mean, would you recommend to sell it or do you think that, that like it's going to compound quite quickly now? Like naturally. You know, what's funny. I'm going to throw you a curveball in my answer, but this is to me, it's, I call this like the goosebump question. It gives me goosebumps when people ask this because you put all of your passion into building this thing that somebody is now trying to put a dollar value on. Now there's a lot of statistical formulas and business brokers that can figure out whether or not that's the right price point. But the one thing that no one told me when it came time to sell my company in February, 2012 was ask yourself this question. What are you going to do next? Money is amazing, but it's only worth what you can do with it. I spent five or six years building my passion and that was having a marketing agency that raised money for nonprofits. And everyone around me, we made Inc. Magazine's fastest growing companies three years in a row. I was getting calls from investors constantly. And finally, the numbers got big enough to where I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's do this. What do I need to do? Okay, I need to put this in place. Give me a little while. I'll make it happen. And we'll hit that price point that you want. I sold my passion though. I was one of the top nonprofit fundraisers in the United States. Everyone came to me for advice or for services. And when I sold that, I didn't sell my business. I sold my identity. I sold my passion and I really got lost for a while. So the numbers are great. 
but you always have to ask yourself when it comes time to sell your business. And then there's a lot of entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs that build and sell quickly that would argue with this. But if this is the first big business that you're built, you've built, really spend some time pondering first, what will I do next? What will my passion be? Because when you sell your passion, it, it, it can, it can be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, wow. Thanks for sharing that with us, man. And just to go a little bit deeper on that, like you said that you felt lost, right? Yes. So do you mean lost in the sense of um, just kind of like worried that maybe you might not really have like a great, another opportunity come up and, and you're worried that you might not find one for a while or you felt lost as in like you felt really torn apart from it all? It's interesting. Good entrepreneurs will always have more opportunity than they can deal with. So I, I'm truly blessed to have a ton of Fortune 500 companies that I do marketing for. And I love going to visit them in their corporate offices. And we talk about how their sales have grown exponentially in the seven and eight figure realm. But I miss writing that $50,000 check to Goodwill, knowing that they're going to use that to put a couple people through some classes, that then they're going to go out and find jobs and they're going to have homes for their children and their lives are going to be better. To me, that lost feeling because I was in the nonprofit space was a sense of fulfillment. If you noticed before we started talking about, I went into all working with the NLP coaches, looking for that reason for me. My business gave me that reason. I feel like maybe even in your business, as you talk to entrepreneurs and you learn more about them, they learn more about you. And then you spread the word and people are excited to read it. You're engaging with an audience. You're providing value to them. If you were to sell that and ask yourself, what do I do next? How are you going to provide that value to the world once you have the money? And it changes the dynamic of your thought process. Yeah, and that's huge, man. And that's the thing. Like, I know my, what my two, you know, priority or basic human needs are that I prioritize. It's, it's growth and contribution. So for you, like when you when you sold, uh, you know, your marketing agency, were you still looking for something where you can contribute? Like, did you end up finding something where you can contribute on that level, or are you doing it in a different way now? Uh, a little bit. I'm actually now because I have the money. I'm just donating money instead of raising it, but I much rather, I, I, I loved raising it. It's, there's just an excitement in it. I, I now work a lot with St. Jude's and the Eric Trump Foundation. We don't do marketing for them, but I go to their events. Um, I bring people to their events. I donate my own money. I buy things at auction. Um, I'm not technically allowed to go out and raise money for nonprofits until October 27th of this year. I had to sign a two-year non-compete um, and I don't ever plan on getting back into the side of things that I used to do, but I do love helping in any way. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It sounds like you got a big heart. It's it's rare. Like a lot of people aren't aren't quick to you know give back like that. It's really good. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to have all these skills and be able to make all this money. If I mean, you can make a great living as a nonprofit fundraiser. You really can. Without and the the benefit to the nonprofits is still huge. There's just not a lot of people out there that look at it from that side of things. Wow, that's interesting. I haven't really looked into it myself. What like let's just kind of go to to this um this area or this subject because this is really interesting. So, like, what would you say is one of the most that you've learned to be one of the most effective ways to raise money? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because each specific type of nonprofit has its own strategies for doing it that work for them. A good example would be that most fundraising for the American Red Cross does not work unless there's a disaster that needs donations directly to it. So you can spin your wheels trying to do online fundraising for the Red Cross in between disasters, and it doesn't really work. People don't associate the need that Red Cross has um, until there is a disaster. We do a lot of events. Events are a huge way to raise money for nonprofits. Uh, the Eric Trump Foundation, which is actually one of my favorite charities, 
does events. We were just in DC last week doing a charity fundraiser. They raised like $125,000 in like an hour. And what's amazing about them is that they have zero dollar cost basis. So that means that 100% of the funds that are raised through every activity that they do goes directly to St. Jude's. Not one penny is taking for expense. And I mean, this was at the Trump National Golf Course. There was beautiful food. There was an open bar. There was everything that you'd want from an amazing event, all paid for by the Trump family or donated by other individuals. Every dollar that came in went to the organization, to St. Jude's. To me, that's amazing. Yeah, that's an incredible experience. And especially to be working with people like, you know, the Trumps. I mean, that, that would just be awesome in itself. Eric Trump is one of the nicest people that you'll ever meet. And he's also a genius at marketing. The first time I had a chance to sit down with him and talk about SEO, we talked for an hour. And I had no idea someone at his level that's running such huge businesses even understood the basic concepts, let alone the most in-depth. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. SEO, man, it's such a, um, such a, like, a, a thing where it's constantly changing. Like there's always this conflicting information that's out there and there's constant updates. So to be able to stay on top of that ball, I mean, you've, you know, you've got to be pretty cluey. Yeah. And it really, it comes from networking and masterminding with the right people. When you have the right mastermind of people or the right partners around you, um, a change happens and everybody adapts through sharing of knowledge. If you're trying to go out there and do everything on your own, you don't have that knowledge that comes through masterminding or through partnering and you can fall behind very easily there was just an update last week and if you're not plugged in to some place to get that information you may not know it and you may suffer from it do you have an idea of like what what those changes are and like what people can do to kind of not be penalized just a rough idea it's interesting we've never in let's see we're doing SEO since about 2005 we've never had a client punished through a Google slap or anything like that. And the reason is, if you think about it, if you're working on the Goodwill website, the Red Cross or the Salvation Army, we've never been able to go into the the pushy, tricky stuff. So we have a system we call Google proofing, which is a nine page document that shows you how to set up your SEO strategy to protect yourself against penalties. And I think we've had like 1300 downloads on it. We give it away for free. And it shows people exactly like, follow these steps, you will never get slapped. The problem is people get a little overzealous. They get a little anxious. They want to press the buttons. If, if you do that, Google comes out and says, hey, we're watching. We're going to catch you. We're going to punish you. You can either listen or don't listen. Yeah, yeah. you can't fool Google. They're, um, they're geniuses, really. <laughs> yeah, you figure they've got 1 million servers up and running. Wow. Their algorithm is able to catch 90% of what most SEO people can do. So creating a cloud cover or a buffer is really the only way around it. And it's, it's, it's very easy to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Definitely, definitely. So let's get back into the business talk. Like, What would you say has been probably one of the biggest business mistakes that you've made? And, and what can we learn from it? In 2006, I opened up an actual live auto auction in Chicago. It was part of a chain. They had recruited me out of Cleveland with the promise, hey, help us build our online auction system, and then we'll give you a physical location. And I'm in my 20s, and I've been in the auction business for five years after getting out of the Marines. And I'm like, wow, okay, you want to give a 27-year-old an auction. Awesome, let's do it. So I went into Chicago, got everything set up. And about two months in, we were selling everything online. We were doing very, very well, selling about 150 cars a week online, which in the mid-2000s was not necessarily something that was happening a lot. And 
the company that we were using their software for the auction system decided, hey, you know what? We're not going to allow other people, third parties to use this software anymore. And they're one of the top three auto auction companies in the world. So they pulled the plug on it and instantaneously my entire business was gone. So the lesson that I learned from that is, is never use someone else's software to be the primary driver of income. If you need software technology that you cannot live without, develop it on your own, pay the money, own the technology, or create a licensing agreement where you can't get it pulled from you. Because at 27, I had my biggest failure. I had a million dollar a year business up and running and in a matter of 24 hours, it was gone. Whoa. Blow your mind, man. That is crazy. Wow. And it took us about six months to get new technology in place that we actually owned. It, I mean, it didn't stop me. I didn't know that failure was supposed to be something bad. It was just a learning experience. And six months later, we were up and running and that technology is still running today. Yeah, no, that's beautiful, man. Like you, you always learn from your mistakes and you either, you know, let it devour you or you, you get better from it. So yeah, that's, that's good that you kept running. Yeah, I think one of the most quoted things I've seen on Facebook of me speaking at an event is I always tell people, it's like, I spend 95% of my time failing so that I can succeed the other 5% of the time. Yeah, no, that's, that's dead on. What have you learned so far from the great legend, uh, Jay Abram? Oh, my idol. I, that, uh, I heard, I heard you worked with him. Yeah. Yeah. He's a legend. Yeah, he's, I've legend. spoke on stage with him a few times and been at a couple events with him and he really takes, I don't think there's another person on the planet like him. He takes everything to what most people would think would be a complicated level that the normal person can't understand, but entrepreneurs thrive on. And he's really been a focal point of the last two years of my growth in business. When I did my first marketing agency, everything was in-house. Maybe once in a while we outsourced some pay-per-click if we got overwhelmed or if we were trying to grow too many products at once, we'd outsource a little bit of SEO, but eventually everything came in-house. And his strategy is the partnering model. He helped show me how with my last event in Ohio to go to the radio stations and get um, per engagement radio advertising, meaning I paid nothing up front and I only paid them when a transaction was made or a registration for the event. I would have never even thought to do that if it wasn't for him. And so far this year, I've acquired part of a web development company, a pay-per-click company, a digital publishing company, and a CRM company. All things that I need to get my business to that eight, nine-figure level. But instead of trying to develop everything in-house and turn entrepreneurs into employees, I'm just taking a small piece and bringing my business to the table and everybody gets to flourish. Instead of trying to keep everything for myself, which a lot of entrepreneurs do, and that's why they don't ever grow their businesses, I'm partnering with the right people and I'm um, allowing them to make money first and make, let myself make money second because we'll all make more money that way. And this is all Jay Abraham stuff. He's just, he's just, if I had to label one genius on the planet, well, besides Stephen Hawking's, it would be Jay Abram. <laughs> nice. And hey, has he got like, has he got like ADD? Cause I remember I watched, I mean, I'm not, you know, uh, I mean, you can't freely use that word, you know, but I saw him on um, some business mastery DVD and it was crazy to see him on stage. He gets like really excited and he just starts like like running through all this really awesome information. He goes here and there and he's kind of all over the place, but he's like still so cool at the same time. Yeah, you know what? And I would change it from ADD to like hyper focus. So he could be on a topic and somebody could ask a question that triggers a button in his brain and he just lasers in on that. And he could talk about something for an hour or two without, it doesn't even seem like he takes a breath. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
That's nuts. That is so nuts. Good on him. Good on Jay Abraham. Nice. Awesome, man. And um, I know that you've, uh, over the years, not only, you know, done keynotes and training, you also uh, mentor uh, young entrepreneurs. So, like, what is something that you've learned from one of your students or one of your clients? Like, a real standout lesson that they've taught you. You know what? I, I think earlier in my career, I always looked to see how the individual that I was working with could provide benefit to me. Um, we, I mean, the, a mutual friend that introduced us who's based in New York and runs a PR firm, he actually worked for me for five years doing content. And during that time, I never really took the time to think about, hey, how can he better himself and build his business? And in the last two years, since we've changed our relationship and he's gone into doing that, he's done amazing things. So it's when I look at entrepreneurs now, and this is really only since I sold my company and I've been beat up a little bit and experienced great success in, in, internally and externally, that if every time I talk to an entrepreneur, I really think first about, hey, what's that one thing that they could do that could change their life? Not just their business, but their life. And if I can get them to accept that one thing and get them to do that one thing, then I love being around to continue to help them. And that's really what our partnership mastermind's about, where we every week we talk and people talk about, hey, what's going on good in their business first? Then we talk about, hey, what's the topic of the week? And then we go into what are the problems, which is what the mastermind is supposed to be about. And starting with that, when success leads, then the problems become insignificant because they're easy to solve. So getting entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs to understand that there is no problem that they're going to face that others haven't already faced. And that every problem that they face is actually small. As long as they address it with the right intention, they'll get over it. No matter how badly they've been beat up. I've had a million dollar business and went down to zero in 24 hours. I'm sure people have had worse, but don't come to me complaining that you spent 20 grand on an ad campaign and it didn't work. Your life's not over. Run another one. What, what do you believe are the key elements to your success? Understanding that as a left brain engineering type, that the right side of my brain has just as much to add. Understanding from an NLP standpoint, and I'm not talking about the hypnotism and all that kind of stuff, but the true understanding of your purpose and the way that you engage people on an emotional basis. Um, accepting that from a mindset perspective. Our biggest enemy is ourselves, or we are our biggest enemies. And almost every, well, no, every problem can be overcome as long as we believe that we can overcome it. It's when we start to doubt ourselves that failure is imminent. And again, up until two years ago, th those words would have never come out of my mouth. It was nose down, drive straight forward, run through anyone and anything that gets in your way. No friends, no nothing. Just build, build, build. And well, sell, sell, sell. And it worked. But when it was all said and done and it was sold and you sat back and you're like, wow, am I really want, do I really want to go do that again? Um, and I do have some tendencies sometimes where I catch myself starting to do that. And I have to keep the mindset positive. I have to keep the mindset open to new ideas. I have to understand my emotional side because it's about being healthy and it's about living the life that you want to live, not just financially, but from a true wealth perspective, which is all encompassing. Yeah. No, that's a great answer, man. That's a really great answer. Beautiful. Now we're, we're just wrapping the, uh, the interview up here. So is there any kind of like last words that you want to leave us with? Success is scientific. And when you accept that mindset again, that success is scientific, that 
there are specific stages that you're going to go through. There's a specific gradient that you're going to have to follow. There's an exact statistical review process to every single thing that you're doing. And when you know those steps and you know those stages and you know that process, success is guaranteed. I can say in an interview that success is guaranteed if you follow the exact formula for success. And it's starts with mindset, but once you have the right mindset and you move out of the poverty mindset into the wealth mindset, everything else becomes very, very easy. You just put in the time, you reach the stages. And when you reach a specific stage, you know exactly what you need to do to reach the next stage. And it, it's, it's a model that continues on into perpetuity. So knowing that scientific formula is all you need to know to be successful once you have your mindset right. Thank you so much for sharing all your amazing information, man. And um, yeah, it's, it's great being able to be on the end of this and be the first person to hear this, um, this info on this side before I share it with the world. So thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. And I've got friends that you've interviewed. You are doing an amazing job. So really, man, think about what that number is to you, but also think about what you would do next and what your passion really is because you're doing something amazing, bringing all of these awesome entrepreneurs to the world. And I read it. I've seen some of my buddies publish it. One of them was actually on the homepage of your website last week. And just keep rocking and rolling, man. And I'm excited that you're another entrepreneur out there doing what you love and being successful at it. Oh, thank you, man. Was that Brian Horn? Yes, it was. Brian, yeah, he's a champ. He's such a champ. He got me my first speaking engagement in the internet marketing space, wow, five years ago. Oh, did he? <laughs> yes. Wow. So you guys have been at it for a while, man. I know he's he's been at it for like forever since the internet was up. So, no, that's that's really good, man. That's really good to be in it. I wish I was in it ages ago. Like, I, I w you know, you can always wish, right? Um, but I just know that never like, look uh, back, always look forward, man. You've got a monster of a business and most people that are behind you would kill to be where you are. No use looking back. Just keep looking forward.